You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. For the next few moments, I'm going to share a couple of quick thoughts around, I guess, a reminder. I, I, I can't believe we're almost in November. <laughs> a reminder that this is the year where Pastor Paul declared for our own lives and for us as a church would be a year where we would overcome. So how are we going with that? I've found myself over the last few weeks starting to ask, am I overcoming like I declared back in February I wanted to overcome? What are, what are the things in my life, the good and maybe the not so good, the just every day that distract my mindset, my actions from actually pressing in to what I believed back then God asked me to go on the journey to overcome with? Maybe you've already overcome. I believe God's not done yet. Maybe you weren't here back in Vision Sunday or you haven't yet seen what you're believing to take place. God's not done yet either. But the challenge for you and I is to not let it just be a theme over our church for the year, but actually activate an overcoming life in Christ. The Bible declares that we would have an overcoming life in Christ. So upon this reflection, I don't know if you do this, but sometimes as you're reading the word, you you discover the scriptures that you wish weren't in there. You know, the ones where it's like, oh, that one's not a nice one. Um, what, God, why don't you just let them forget about that one and not record it? <laughs> like, that one hurts. But as I've journeyed this scripture of late through my own life, it's been really paramount to challenge me, and I want to challenge you this morning to ask yourself the question, you know, when it comes to overcoming, how, how do I overcome the way God requires me to overcome? And we find in the book of Matthew chapter 7, this scripture, I'm going to read it from the message version because there's a little bit more description in there that I want you to pick pick up today. But this passage where Jesus is speaking and is very confronting to the crowd around him to understand that this is not a game. Legacy is not a campaign. (laughs) Like Christianity thrives on faith and faith needs you and I to step out and overcome. And Jesus is speaking in verse 21, and I want you to capture this. We're going to put it on the screen because he was pretty upfront about the difference he saw between knowing who Jesus was and actually being a Christian and having a relationship with him. That's the very real difference. And it goes on in verse 21 of Matthew 7. It says this, Jesus speaking, knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. (laughs) What is required is serious obedience. Doing what my father wills. I can see it now, Jesus says, at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. 1,300 people at a soup kitchen party. He goes on to say, and do you know what I'm going to say? This is where it gets a little bit. You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. Ouch. Verse 24. These words I speak to you, Jesus says, are not incidental additions to your life. They're not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. 
They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If, here's the key, if. That's what we love about Christianity is we get to choose. The downside is if we don't choose, we miss the boat. If you work these words, speaking of God's word, into your life, if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain, it poured down. The river, it flooded. A tornado, it hit. But nothing moved that house because it was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. If you choose, if you build your life on my word, word, it doesn't say your storm will go away. It says you'll still stand and you will overcome whatever comes your way. But the choice is with you and I. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you for the challenge of that scripture. (laughs) Lord God, we thank you. You've done everything for us and all access because of Jesus is ours to who you are. And I just pray this morning that the next few moments you'd really speak to us. That it wouldn't just be another message or a bunch of ideas, but actually you would speak in and through my life to all of us here today that we would acknowledge in a year where we are believing to overcome what it is we need to start realigning to your word, realigning to your principles, realigning to the relationship we have in you to see our lives overcome. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you for your grace that's towards us. And I just pray this morning you'd speak to us in a very real and relevant way in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had to go somewhere and produce ID to prove you're legit. Maybe you've had to turn up to a place and they need to know that you are who you say you are. Maybe you went to the rugby league last night and you had to produce a ticket at the gates to get in. It wouldn't be good enough if you photocopied your mate's ticket that you were going to the game with and they used their ticket first because when it came time to you to scan, no green lights, all red lights. You require a piece of identification to prove who you are. I'll never forget going on a plane once and me and my brothers were off for a week's holiday somewhere to meet my parents who had been speaking somewhere else, Pastor Paul and Marie, and we, I was the oldest, so I was responsible to get us there. <laughs> so you go through, if you've ever been on a plane, you go through the system and you, they, they check you and your ticket, they check your passport, everything's all good. Then they funnel you down this little tunnel and you arrive at the plane and then for some strange reason, I'm still yet to figure out why they need to check again, but they check again at the plane. And typically it's a spiel that goes something like this. Welcome Mr. Deong, you're in row 563, way down the back, off you go. And you're like, oh dang it, now I have to walk past all those people in the special seats. And those seats always seem to be empty, why can't I sit in there? All these things, anyway, you're coming down, you get to the back and then there's no room in the overhead luggage and the theory goes on. But this particular trip, it didn't go that way. Although the ticket suggested it should have, the conversation went like this. Look down at the ticket, look up, look down, look up. 
Mr. De Jong, yes. Who are these guys? They're my brothers. De Jong, De Jong, De Jong. You guys happen to know Paul De Jong? Now, how many know at that point, I'm not sure if it's a good idea to say yes <laughs> or no. Ah, <laughs> uh, so we thought we'd better be good Christians and not lie. So he said, yeah, yeah, we know Paul. Yeah, yeah, that's our dad. He said, no way. Oh, where is he? Uh, we're meeting him somewhere else. Told him the story. He's like, oh, awesome. Well, uh, let me take these. And he took the tickets and ripped them up and said, come this way. And we got ushered into premium economy. We got to overcome cattle class, baby. And I'll never forget it because you sit in there and we're feeling special as it is because our ticket shouldn't have been for those seats. And they bring out this little warm towelette and you're like, they're like, would you like one? You know, they've got those little tongs. And you're like, what's this for? They're like, it'll wipe your face. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, let's enjoy the experience. And then but the plane hasn't even taken off. Oh, would you, would you like an orange juice, sir? Yeah, why not? I've seen people drink these orange juices as they've walked all the way to the back of the plane. And, you know, you're sitting there and you're feeling chuffed. So as you're sipping on the orange juice and people are coming past to go way down the back. Gelda. <laughs> Gelda. <laughs> What's up now? Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Having a good old time. But the reality was the only reason that we got to sit in those seats was who were we, who we were related to. It was even to the point where it wasn't about who we were, even though the story sounds that way, but was actually about whose we were. And how many of us in a year where we're believing to overcome think it's going to come through our own strength, who we are, failing to realize, as the scripture puts it, no, no, you turn up and say, Master, Master, we did these things in your name. We were awesome in your name. We turned up to church in your name. And he's going to say, no, no, stop. <laughs> it's not about the stuff. It's actually not even about overcoming. You'll get there, but it comes from building your life on the rock. Because as far as I've understood it in my own life, it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not. Storms are coming your way. The scripture proves it. Hey, it's going to come, but you will remain. You will overcome in your life if you choose to build your life upon the rock. See, anyone in this room could have rolled up to that plane at that moment and handed over the boarding pass and even been asked the question, hey, do you know Paul Dion? And we all could say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the difference was I wouldn't say, yeah, yeah, that's my senior pastor. He's the smiley guy on stage. But because of the relationship, direct access to what I brought couldn't give me access to. So what does it look like in your life and my life here towards the end of October in a year where we've overcome? Have we given up? Have we tried to do it in our own strength? Have we looked at the ticket we paid for? And to be honest, we didn't pay for those tickets. Our father did. When it comes to our lives in Christ, he's given us everything anyway it's not us it's all from him but the ticket couldn't get us to the upgrade the ticket couldn't get us to the place and I think for many of us we sell ourselves short from what God has because of the ticket we carry look you don't know the upbringing I've had no I may not know the upbringing you have 
Look, you don't know what my last week was like. No, I may not know what your last week was like, but my Bible declares, your Bible declares, that in him we are a new creation. That he doesn't look at what we've done. Come on, he doesn't look at who we are or where we've come from. He says, no, I've chosen you before you can choose me. And if you would just not rely on what you have, but whose you are, an overcoming life would be a part of your world, of my world. And so I want to challenge you, I want to stir you up to believe again. Come on, to not settle for status quo. Maybe you thought, yeah, I'm going to give it a good nudge this year, and you got inspired by B-Rad jumping off the bridge and all of that stuff, and then you started to do your best, and someone at work started hating on, on you a whole lot more. Come on, your, fa- your family started saying, hey, you need to calm down, you're getting a bit too serious with this Christianity. I don't know what it may have been that's stopped you, but life gets in the way. The storms come, and if we're not careful, we soon discover, uh uh-oh, it was on the sand. And the good news is that no matter how far you feel you've failed, God is always there to pick you back up and set you back on the rock. It's up to you and I to choose to build our lives that way. Even when we talk about legacy, I reckon there's so many people at life they disqualify themselves because they say, well, I see 45 million and I see 45 cents on the bank statement. <laughs> Is it even worth it? Come on. And the enemy will get us to buy into the lie that our ticket is not worth it. But the ticket was useless in the sense of being able to pay for the upgrade, but because of the relationship. It didn't matter what the ticket presented, but it was up to us to be there and be present, to bring what we had, and then the overcoming took place. So really, really quickly, I want to bring back these three, I believe, critical points Pastor Paul raised on Vision Sunday that if you're like me, you hear so much good content, you've probably forgotten about them. And as I went back over the message recently, challenging myself about this year of overcome, I I found myself drawn to these three things, and I I want to encourage you with them again this morning. Number one, he said, we need to be people that understand we inherit a promise. We inherit a promise. You know, because of Jesus and then our decision to say yes to a life in him, we now have full access. We have access to the abundance of who he is. Yet I think for many of us, we don't recognize that we actually inherit this promise. And the reason is we know ourselves better than anyone else. And we live in a culture and a society where it's going to drag you and I into religion and out of relationship. Well, I know what I did this week, and so God couldn't bless me. You know, this is going on in my life, and I know it's not right. Yeah, yeah, there's consequence to our decisions. The Bible makes it really clear. Sin separates us from a life in Him. But the Bible also declares there's nothing you and I could do to separate us from his love towards us. And so many of us don't really agree in our heart of hearts that we inherit the promise, full stop. But my Bible tells me that the moment you say yes to a life in him is the moment you get the full gamut. Not once you say yes and then get baptized and then join a connect group and go through next steps and then... Start giving to legacy. It's not a works-based faith. That's religion, and many of us jump back into that. If I get my life right, 
then I'll feel good enough to come to church, then God can bless me. Eh, Wrong answer. If I just come as I am, be open and honest with who he is, and discover whose I am, I start to now understand I inherit the promise. Secondly, Pastor Paul talked about the fact that we get to be people as Christians that need to live out a commission. We live a commission. What does that mean? It means turning up. Step up to the plate. You can't hit a home run unless you're at the plate. Well, what if I strike out? What if you strike out? I think the greatest ever home run hitter, Babe Ruth in baseball in America, has the greatest record, but he made a comment about the fact that he's also got the highest strikeout rate. The only reason he holds the record for the greatest home run hitter is because he keeps turning up. How many of us don't turn up? Come on, we might be here today, but we're not turned up. We're in worship, thinking about lunch. (laughs) Someone gets up here and encourages us to believe for a miracle, and we talk ourselves out of it. No, no, I had a bad day yesterday. We, We don't turn up mentally and physically a lot of the time because of the fear of what may be. Yet I discovered that if we didn't turn up to that plane at that time on that flight with that particular flight attendant who remembered flying time and time and time again with Pastor Paul and made the one-on-one connection, okay, I've seen that name before, I've seen it heaps of times, maybe there's a connection. We had to turn up to access. (laughs) We could have been on some other flight, but as fate, hashtag God would have it, Right place, right time, with what seemed to be the wrong ticket, but actually the right ticket. We turned up. We need to be people that live a commission. This is why we go on and on about next steps. Trust me, it's not to fill our teams. I know how many people we need to run a Sunday, and it doesn't need all of us right here. But I know how many people are yet to discover Jesus, and for a lot of us, it's not about serving inside his house, but actually out dealing with the needs of the people that would never, ever feel like they could come into a place like this. Next Steps is about you discovering who we are as a church, planting yourself here, and then discovering in week two about actually how God's wired you and made you and realize, oh, awesome, there's people like me. We can do this together. I don't have to be perfect. And then week three, you get to meet the team, and that's where you really come alive. Yes, they've got the same problems I do. Woohoo! <laughs> But the reason we harp on about it is because it will change your life. I guarantee you, it's not the only thing. But the moment you start to connect with the purpose on the inside is the moment you start to live fulfilled. And it doesn't matter what rain, hail, or shine throws at you, you will overcome because you're convinced you're living a commission. And third and finally, as the team join me, I don't want you to get distracted. I love this one where Pastor Paul talked about. We need to realize we need to commit to overcome. What does that mean? (laughs) Committing to overcome means saying yes when you don't know the outcome. So do you guys know Paul DeYoung? Yeah. (laughs) Awesome, right this way. It was the yes response that got us to an overcoming of cattle class. It's God's job to look after outcome, our job to look after obedience. What does it say when we read earlier? 
What is required, Jesus speaking, is serious obedience. (laughs) Committing to overcome is going to look like you and I actually saying yes before we know what it means. Challenges, our society, we weigh everything up based on what we receive in in response to our sacrifice. Will I buy the large meal that's going to cost me more for the benefit I gain back from the extra cost. We start to apply these societal filters and say, am I going to pay that amount of money based on my level of what I see as a return or not? And we apply it to our Christianity. Hey, hey, it comes to legacy. God, I need to see that we're doing stuff. Show me the testimonies and the good stuff and then I'll weigh up whether it's good. Because if you're like me, I'd rather be in control of outcome and just have God be obedient to me. So over the years, I had many people say, hey, I'm passionate about what you guys are doing in Legacy, but I can't give anything until I know where my money goes. Sorry, it's not going to work. Our job's obedience. God's job is outcome. When we get to a place where we commit to overcome in whatever area of life, it doesn't matter then the outcome because I've said yes. We were all in. When we said yes, it could have meant that we were not even on the plane. I don't know. He could have had an issue with some of the teaching that Pastor Paul shared and his anti-church and said, cool, I'm not letting you on my plane. But it was the commitment, I'm all in, <laughs> that gave us the activation of an overcoming life. And we're going to sing the song we sung earlier just for a couple of moments before TC comes back. Our chains are gone. (laughs) Our debt is paid. Because if there's one thing I've learned, I have to continually declare truth over my life before I can start to outwalk a life of overcoming. And I want you to not be distracted in this moment, but stand your feet because I want to read this scripture before we sing And I want you to capture this scripture because it's from Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20. And I'm going to read it from a translation called the Passion Translation because it's really awesome. We think it's all about outcome, yet God wants to take us on the journey to discover there is more in Him. It says this, Now you understand, Jesus speaking, that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over the enemy's kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. Watch this, verse 20. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. That is the true source of your authority. The fact that we are in relationship with the one and only, the true King, the Lord of Lords, the God of all creation. He is fighting for you, not against you. He is in you and He is with you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.